Welcome back to the Fathers of the Future podcast. It is my honor and absolute pleasure to have on one of my lifelong friends, a buddy who I grew up with right here in Palm Springs, California, in that 760, claiming that out of control OC for life. <laughs> yeah. My brother, Rafael Cervantes, man. Welcome to the Fathers of the Future podcast. What's up, brother? Glad to be here. Yeah. This honor is a, to be here. This is a long time coming, man. Yeah. Uh, we met in ninth grade, summer of ninth grade, mm -hmm. right here in Palm Springs, uh, bumping that thuggish, ruggish bone. Yeah. And for a few years, we definitely lived that lifestyle. Yeah. I know your story. Uh, I know your experience. And just getting a few minutes to hang out in the pool, seeing your 14-year-old daughter, seeing my 13 and 11-year-old kids. Man, what what does it mean for you right now in your life to be a father to be present, to own your own company. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to get into a few years of, you know, right. not having those privileges, but just kind of walk us down, you know, right now, what things are like for you in your life. Where am I at right now? Well, right now uh, it's, it's a struggle right now with the business. But if I think back to before this whole virus situation, it's, I'm, I'm blessed. You know, I'm blessed. I've been through a lot, uh, but I feel like um, I'm leading my family in the right direction. My daughter's doing great. She's got straight A's. Um, as far as the business goes, I mean, I'm, I'm still blessed, even though we're in a struggle period right now, um, where, I've, where I've come from and where I'm at right now, kind of managing all that. Um, it's It's been uh, stressful at times, but, you know, reaching out to the right people, getting counsel, getting um, encouragement has definitely helped, you know, walk that path as being a business owner and father. Yeah. So we were... We were troublesome. Yeah. Right? In, right. in high school, 9, 10, 11, 12, we were high school. A couple years after that, where did things really start to change for you? Where, where, did, where did you start to see yourself going down a path of possibly no recovery or, you know, did like, let's just get right after it, yeah. man. Yeah. What the fuck were you doing to get sent to prison for yeah. five years? Uh, no, uh, it was a sentence of 33 months. Yep. Um, I did uh, a little over a year of that, but um, I mean, that's, that's, that's a blessing to get that time, you know, we'll get into that, but um, how did, you know, it was a lot of, you know, we weren't OC for nothing, right? We weren't out of control for any, nothing. So I just, you know, it just drugs really took a hold of me, you know, help. Uh, it, it, it made me make bad choices. You know, I was going to say, I didn't make mistakes. It was bad choices that I made. Yeah. And when you say bad choices, man, we were drinking, we were, um, we were partying. Yeah. We were, we were smoking pot. Right. Uh, what, what was the path like, man? Where did you go next? Because now that you have a 14 year old, who's going to yeah. be quickly into high school here, right? you start to look at where you first, you and I both went down that rabbit hole, man. Yeah. I talk about this all the time, man. Three of our closest friends in the world. Um, one is on the streets, homeless and drugs. Yeah. One just got out of prison and we know one of them died. Right. Um, and you and I are sitting here laughing, smiling, talking about business and, 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 you know, playing with our kids in the backyard. Yeah. Yeah, it started with, you know, just, you know, obviously smoking marijuana, drinking, and then it just, it just escalated from there. And, and for me, my, uh, my nature was just to take it to the next level. So whenever I, whenever I use something, I would try and sell it to, to build it, to, you know, maintain a habit. And so it just, it just cycled. It went back and forth until eventually, you know, I got into meth. And, and when I got into meth, I started. What year is that? That was, um, I think it was about 2000, right after my daughter was born. So 2007, about that. And then 
you know, I got in trouble and then I, I just went to rehab. Remember that? We went to Santa Monica about 2010 to try and get clean. And, uh, you know, um, the, the process, their mentality, because it was a Scientology center, you know, the, the center for Scientology, that Tom Cruise thing that they did. And so the, the process made sense, right? I was sat in a sauna for, we would take, we start off with niacin, high doses of niacin, run for about 15, 20 minutes to get the blood flow. And then we sit in a sauna for four hours. And I was sitting in a sauna and sweat. And so you sweat the toxins out. And I was in that program for about 50, uh, 50 days. Um, and I felt good physically, but spiritually I was lost. And they tried teaching me about Scientology and they tried teaching me about that ways, but I, I, I started questioning it. You know, it, it, it didn't, it wasn't a right fit for me. And, you know, I always say without God, I know I fell, I fell back into my uh, addiction. And when I fell back into my addiction, I, you know, met with the wrong people and I just started, um, you know, selling drugs. Selling, and that was about 2013, I got busted. So those three years uh, when I got, fell out of my, uh, you know, rehab, you know, got, you know, uh, lost my six, I was only clean for six months. And then when I fell back in addiction, it was like those three years were just really like intense for me. So, you know, for me, I was gonna either end up in prison or die. And thank God that I always say that God took me out of that situation because the only way to get out of the situation I was in was to get arrested or die. You know what I mean? So God pulled me out of that situation. I remember when the feds came that morning, you know, they came. So how serious was this that it wasn't like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to talk too much on about it, but yeah. it was serious. It was like, uh, you know, serious. It was like the movie serious, you know, because it was a federal investigation. You know, the feds don't How touch. long had you been? Um, I was being surveillance or yeah, yeah, I was being watched for about 18 months. I had, when I got arrested there, took me to court, you know, like you talk about being arrested, oh, you're gonna do some state time or, but this was in the feds. I'm in the federal, they say Rafael, United States of America against Rafael Cervantes. You're looking at 20 years, son. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, whoa, you know, and that's, you know, that's what happened. And I was, it was in a federal case. So, so they had a, a case on you, they had been, you know, putting it together for 18 months. 18 months. How many people were involved? Uh, there was about- um, And of course, if I ask you a question, brother, that you're like, yeah, yeah. yep, I, I just cannot. There was about three of us involved and and they tried getting a, a larger case and that larger case didn't stick. And, and I went down for a single count, which is all a blessing from God. You know what I mean? It was um, the, the time that I should have been done doing was should have been a lot worse. I should have got a lot more time. I should have, but I, that's why I feel like God's favor was on my life. You know, but when I got arrested, you know, I, those 18 months before um, I went in, I decided to make a change and get better and, and got into got into my church. That's really where I found my faith. It's after I got arrested, I was like, okay, here, um, I need some help, you know? And that's when my brother-in-law was like, here, there's, there's, there's a church program called Celebrate Recovery, something that can kind of help you with my addiction. I just, I just, I just dove right in. Those 18 months, I just changed myself. I just started, uh, you know, like I said, like I, you found faith before fitness, I, I, yeah, and, yeah, right, and yeah. then and then you hit that combo of both yeah. faith and fitness, right. So talk us a little bit about the 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 day you got arrested, what you were doing, how bad things were. You you like you just mentioned, it was either go to jail or die, right? And and that's how you were living every day. So su super fearful, no no yeah. faith, yeah, no faith, lost, broken, lost. I mean. Uh, watching behind my back. I mean, I could see that they were following me. I knew something was off, you know, and, and it said there in the paperwork that, that I had noticed that they were looking, you know, that I, I, I was doing counter surveillance. You know, I would see them, I would, you know, do erratic stuff, but so, you know, that's where I was at. And I remember thinking to myself like, man, how am I gonna get away from this? You know, how am I gonna, 
walk away from where I'm at right now. I'm so deep in my addiction. I'm so deep in what I'm doing. It's like, how am I going to get out? And that was my way out, you know? So that was 2013. 13. Yeah. Worst year of your life? Um, or you was know, the, the lifestyle prior to that the worst year? Uh, there, I mean, I had, a, I had, a, I made a lot of bad choices, man. I, I just a lot of, you know, a lot of bad things. So I can't, I can't think about that was the worst time of my life. You know, yeah. So you get arrested. Yeah. Uh, Scorpion Task Force is that the? Uh, uh, yeah, the, DEA, man. DEA jackets on, man. <laughs> yeah. Narco style. DEA. Rafael Cervantes, yeah. open the fucking door. We're gonna yeah. kick it down. Oh yeah, no, they came in. They came in. Yeah, they came in. Holy shit, I got yeah. goosebumps, bro. <laughs> yeah. And 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 your wife, um, and your. They weren't there that morning. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. And did you get bailed out? No, they well, it took about fifteen days. They didn't want to. It's it's it worked on a bond. You know, it took a lot of money to get me out. Um, but I, after ten days, so I, I spent uh, those first ten days in San Bernardino, which is pretty rough, detoxing. You know, mm. just going through it. You know, but when I got out, I was like, "All right, I can breathe." Like, God, I'm out. You know, and the people that I was with, they're like, "Look at change your life." They, that's the last thing he told me. Is like, change your life. You know, get get off this shit. The people get, in jail, or yeah, the pe people that I was arrested with. You know, he's like, get out, get off this shit. Like, change your life, and and I just did. You know, and um, and, and how long were you going through court cases for? It, it was about eighteen months. Eight. So you're eighteen months. You're free. Yeah. You're on bail. Right. Bond. I'm looking at ten years when I get out. You're looking at 10 when I bail. Months. I'm looking at ten. It's eight months later, I'm looking at five five years. You know, I'm, I'm I know I'm going in for some time. And then that that final day, which is about eighteen months later, they they sentenced me to thirty three months. And in did you prison. plead guilty or did you fight? Oh it? yeah, I pled guilty. Yeah. So they gave you a plea. Yeah. And the plea said what? Just you're, you're guilty of a single count uh, distribution charge. Yeah. And they could have got you for a whole lot more. Oh yeah, yeah. And what was one of the things that the judge asked you to to either do or start working on that you were able to? In that 18 month period when, I mean, I can remember like it was yeah. yesterday, we yeah. were at Gold's Gym, man, Sherman right. was there with us. Yeah. The guy I mentioned at the beginning, one of our close friends who who died, 34 years old, man. Um, you were at the gym and we were doing some CrossFit. Yeah. yeah. They told us to stop doing it, right? Right, right, right. That was a starting point for you because you wanted to physically get fit before you went into prison. Yeah, right. I remember I made that call. I was, you know, I was spiritually good, you know, okay. You know, I'm spiritually, I'm feeling good. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And that's how I feel like God's favor and blessing was over my life because I, was, I wasn't I was just acting a part. Like I was really like accepting the love that Jesus had for me. And like, that's how I was going to get better, you know? But I was watching you and I was missing something, bro. Like I had my faith, I was spiritually good. I'm physically good. But was I, I really wasn't physically good. I see you in sick fit. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm spending, I, I, what I'm wasting my time laying in bed till like noon. Because I was depressed, you know? I knew I was going in, so I wasn't- 18 months of depression. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, even know? though you're clean during yeah. that time, because you can't, because yeah. if, you, if you if you piss anything, Oh yeah, I'm you're totally done. clean, yeah, yeah. That wasn't even a question, it never, it's never come back into question, but yeah, I just seen you and I was like, all right, let's, uh, you were coming in, you came to Palm Springs. You had Cannon with you, Cannon was a little kid, you're showing us how to do squats and you introduced me, like, it's my friend Raph from high school. I was probably about, the heaviest I was about 320. CrossFit Palm Springs. CrossFit Palm Springs, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, um, what about 20 minutes in? I'm throwing up, yeah, <laughs> just puking, yeah, couldn't hang. But you know, you're encouraging, and and after that, it would, and I was like, I'm gonna get better. And I just worked out for those three, three, four months. Just you know, Naj would come in town, I work out with her, just pushing myself to get better. Yeah, that know? was the starting point of, starting of your point. journey physically. Yeah. 
Okay, so did you have a, uh, a doomsday? Uh, did you have D-Day? Did, did you have a certain time that you had to turn yourself in? Or yeah. were you in court, pleaded guilty, and boom? Like I ple- I pled guilty. Um, I had several uh, letters from people that were, um, you know, you wrote a letter, my pastor wrote a letter. Um, and I and I pleaded with the judge, hey, look, I'm doing good. And she was like, look, it, I'm giving you 33 months and you should be doing a lot more. You know, um, you should be doing a lot more time. But just everything fell into place for me because at that time, um, they weren't hitting hard with um, nonviolent drug offenders, you know, they were giving two point reduction, just the feds were just kind of backing up a little bit. And I just, um, yeah, man. So I, they're like, you have 30 days to turn yourself in. Mm. <laughs> You're going to Lompoc. You got 30 days. Yeah. You got 30 days to turn yourself in. So that, that drive, man, that drive was rough. I, I don't remember that drive at all. You were just a, unconscious. It was just like five hours, just in a daze. Yeah. Yeah, in a daze. And my, did my, everyone go with you? My uncle took me and my and my wife and daughter came. So I got- How the, old I, was Callie at the time? So that's- Callie that's was 14, about, 2014? Uh, yeah. So six years, so she's eight, nine, yeah. she's nine? Yeah, early 2000, January yeah. 2015. Old enough to know that daddy oh, was yeah, going, going away. away. Yeah, And I remember saying to them, I, so I got 33 months, right? So I'm saying to them, okay, let's just get through this year. And we'll get to the next, you know, like, let's, let's just, and then, and like, my mom was like, you're, you're going to come out in a year. I'm like, there's no way the feds, you do all your time. So just, um, I said, buy them at the Walmart, uh, Angela and Callie and my, and my, my uncle just drove me in. And, and when you go, when you get to Lompoc, you check yourself into the, there's three facilities in Lompoc. It's a camp, which I was going to the camp. There's the, the low, which is the, um, about 1500 inmates. They call it the low. And then there's the medium There's it's levels of security. And you, you go to the medium and. Lompoc is known as the rock because when Alcatraz closed, little history on Lompoc, it's pretty cool. When Alcatraz closed, um, that was the new rock was Lompoc Federal Penitentiary. And they have the, they have a rock of Alcatraz right at the front. So it's like guard towers, huge fence. I'm like, where am I going? What's going on here? You know, like this is crazy. Warning, no yeah. warning shots yeah. fired. Yeah, just like you're checking and they close the cell. I'm like, but it's intake, you know what I mean? But still, I don't know anything. I'm just, I'm surrendering. And so for about six hours, I'm just an intake, just this huge prison, and then and then they take me to camp. Are you? I go to camp. Are you saying repeating the serenity prayer? Yeah, you, I'm just praying. Remember? I'm just I'm just praying. I'm breathing. You know, I like you know. If I saw say Philippians four thirteen, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I was just, I was just, you know, I was going to be all right. But it, it was stressful. I mean, as much as my faith comes, you know, my flesh comes into play too, where I just get nervous. You know what I mean? It's a constant battle between flesh and you know spirit. But, uh, and were you yeah. there the whole time? So they take me to camp and I'm at the camp. And this is the blessing that I have. I'm at the camp and and there's a program called RDAP, which is a residential drug abuse program. And it's one of the hardest programs to get into. And uh, it's at the camp and it's really hard to get into. And I'm in the camp for about three months. I'm cruising along, man. It's it's like, it's chill. You know, no 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 hardcore security, nothing, no politics. It's, it's relaxed. And uh the doctor sees me and he's like, all right, we're going to get you in this program. I'm like, all right, cool. And I get, if I get through this program, I get a year off my sentence. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And uh, so I, I go to the, to the camp, a different facility. And then as I'm in the, the program, I'm in two months in, there's talks about they're going to close the program down and they're going up in security to the low, the, Lompo, the bigger prison. And, and this, there's rumors and I'm praying. I'm like, come on. Don't do this to me. You know, I'm, I want to just cruise. Don't, you know, and they're moving it. So I got to make a decision. Um, what are you going to, what are you going to do? You're going to go to the low or you can sign out and do your time. And it was a, it was a battle. I was like, man, what do I do, honey? Like I call my wife and I was like nervous, like, man, uh, 
let's just chill here. And then I remember a homeboy that that I had become friends with. He's like, I got you. You're gonna be all right. You know, we're gonna don't stress. You know, and he uh, he tells me he's go. He says. Um, he goes, said, go go read this this Bible scripture, and he was like this gang member from Coachella, and like you'd never think it. He's like, go read this scripture, and uh, and I'm like, really, homie? Like, what what does it say? He's like, go read it. And so I open the scripture, and it's uh, Hebrews, and it says, uh, "What can mere man do to you? I'm with you." Like something like that. I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing, but that was the sign from God. Like, hey, like I'm with you. What can man do to you? You know? And God was just assuring me, I'm I'm with you. You're gonna you're gonna get through it. You know? And uh, so we move up into security, and it's a different scene, you know. We gotta, you you had to choose a side. Yeah, well, I'm a homie, so right. that's, yeah. So, yeah. so so you got to explain that. You got to explain that to to our people here. There's okay. a lot of guys uh, like myself included. Okay, you know, you you are from Peru. Your family's from yeah. Peru. Yeah. And although goatee and brown skin, right? Yeah. Most people, you, you can't claim Peru in prison in right, America, right right? right? right, right, right. So when you say homie, you're you're claiming Mexicans, yeah, right, right. So so it's a homie, it's South Sider. So there's there's the whites, there's the homies, the paisas, which are the the Mexican Mexicans, uh, and then there's the uh, the the blacks. So there's four major groups in there, and uh, you know I'm a homie, so that's why that's why I roll with. And there's the, the rules are a little stricter for us, you know we. Um, don't wear, you know, we got to wear shoes in the shower, you know, it's, it's just a little, but you know, I got through it. It was, it was, it was talk cool. to us about the organization of, <laughs> of the gangs inside of, of prison, you know, it, with the feds, uh, I, I can't really talk too much about, um, the drama of it because, you know, I know people that have done hard time and what I did was not hard time. So I'm not going to like glorify as, as being hard. Cause it wasn't that hard. Like, cause in the feds federal system, everyone is doing 15 years. So there's a there's a there's a certain amount of respect with each other. It's not like the states where people are coming in and out, and there's a lot of like uh, unruly activity going on, and like you know knuckleheads. These are like big time people that are in there, you know, like the bosses. So it it, it, it runs a little smoother because if something happens, you know, everyone gets into it, and that's not what no one wants to happen, right? They want to do their ten years in peace. You know what I'm saying? And that's where I was at. Yeah. How long? Did it take for you to have that kind of perspective? Like, were you still um, processing in your mind when you were in prison? Um, this is fucking bullshit. I shouldn't be here. Yeah, like, yeah. when and, did you hit the switch of like, this is fucking amazing. And I, I can't wait to get out of here to live my life. Um, you know what? I, As I was in there, like I met, there's some great people in there and I still talk to them. And, and I, because I had just had been arrested, I, I, had, I had experience of the outside world you know, the good, the goodness of it. Right. So I would tell them like these, like the homies were in there with, they were done like 10 years. They had been arrested when they were like 20 and they're 27. They've been in there for some, you know, bullshit. And I'll tell them, look, life's good out there, bro. Like what, what we're doing here, what you're excited about, like these meals, these roast beef, this is, this is shit. Like there's a good life out there. Get focused. Don't come back. So I would, I would walk the track with these guys and just tell them like, you know, they would tell me what they have. Like, yeah, I got a house in, in Santa Ana. I'm like, you got property that's good you have generational wealth like use that you know so i would just try and speak life into them and i as i i knew was bullshit i remember thanksgiving lining up for thanksgiving meal and everyone's just happy to get that turkey you get that meal and i'm just like this sucks you know this is this was that was a depressing moment was thanksgiving my first thanksgiving in there yeah how long total time were you in i was in there for um i was in the low i was in the camp for about three months and then i was in the the low for about um maybe 10 months. 
So that's why, like, I I have mad respect for people that have done big time because I I didn't, you know, and that's all God. So I, that's why I don't like to speak about like the drama because I didn't live that, and it's all because I was I, I feel I was protected by God, and I just I didn't get involved in that stuff. You know what I mean? You stayed out of the drama yeah, as much as possible. Yeah. Then did you have to defend yourself or scrap? Um, if we had to, we had to. Like, there's no question. You have to. But it never got to that point. Like I said, people are trying to do that time and peace, and they don't want that to happen. So, but you know, we I knew at any time. Like if so, if if you if you go if you take flight, like I have to take flight. Even if I'm standing next to some white, even we're we're buddies, and homie take I gotta I gotta I gotta steal on you, even though we're best friends because you're a different race than me, and that's just how it is. Yeah. Can you speak at all about the politics of the people who work there? Um, like the 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 cops, the guards, the guards, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was some dickhead guards, man. Like, you know, they're you know, the, some of them were chill. They're just they're working. They're cool, but some are just power trips. You know, some like one we call the Terminator. He'd come in with his gloves and he'd find stuff that like, you know, he, he was just he was just there to to just get someone, dude. It was crazy. Yeah, but most most some of them were dicks. Some of them were dicks. They pull you aside, you know, breathalyze you, you know, or just clean out your rack or you know, check you out. Yeah. What do you remember the day you got out? Oh, man. You know, it's funny because uh, it's like two days before I get out, right? Um, see, they do random piss tests there. And um, you kind of got to be prepared for it because they give you this two-hour window. And, you know, I had heard of people, you know, you, some people get nervous or they don't have enough water. They don't let you drink water to pee. Like, you have a certain window. And and so, they, so the, like, two nights before I get out... Um, my the security dude do, do they do these counts right? So they count your bed, and they usually take you to go piss right at about one in the morning. And he came and he uh, he was doing the counting. I'm like, all right, cool, I can go piss now. So I go take a piss, and um, he I, I go lay down. And I'm like, he comes knocks me, hey, you gotta go. I'm like, what? I just went. So so they pull you the security guard. I had like two hours, and I I couldn't go. Like I hadn't drank water, so I'm like, I'm like, please. Like I had about ten minutes left, and and they're bullying you. You know what I mean? Like, come on, Cervantes, you you're gonna get dirty. You're going, you're you're not going home now. Da, 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 you you better call your family right now. You're not going home. So they're just messing with you, you know. And like I had about ten minutes left, right? And I just paid something like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so that so then I was like, all right, cool, I'm ready to go now. Yeah. You know, because I was waiting for that. They usually do that, so I was prepared. You know, they're they, hazing everybody when yeah, they know they're getting, getting out. out. They want. You're gonna yeah. be back here yeah, well, yeah. soon, motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Just talking mad shit. Yeah. So I remember that morning when uh, my my mom picked me up. You know, she's running. You know, my mom's. She's you know, crying. my mom. She's crazy. Yeah. She's like, ah! like you're yeah. in the parking lot, and then Angela and Callie were waiting for me at the hotel. Yeah. Remember that morning? That was crazy. Yeah. But it, it's not straight home, right? It's just three hours with them, straight to the halfway house, where it's just just as strict. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I had to How do, long were you there for? I had, was I was checked in there for six months, but I was physically at the location for three three months. But I'm part of the, the halfway house program. You still have to check in. I'd have to go back every two weeks. But but for three months I was living in there. You know, you can't you all you you can't you can't leave the door unless unless you're going to work. So you'd have to sign out work in church. So thank God I had, was able to come to Palm Springs, work for you know six hours with my family business, and I would drive back to Riverside. It was in Riverside. Yeah. So Aside from the grace of God and the work that you did, how do you, how are you able to check every box, right? You know, I, I'm looking at you and I'm hearing you talk and, yeah. you know, 
for those that know, including yourself, man, like, you know, my dad got into some very similar trouble yeah. um, the first couple of years that I was born. He never made the switch. Yeah. I, everything that you committed to doing when you went in, you did so that yeah. you could get out. Right. And like, I mean, I'm so fucking proud of you, bro, just to be sitting here having this conversation because it's not even just level headed. It's like, dude, you, you, you flipped the switch. Yeah. Right. Like you, you made a conscious effort that I ain't never going back. I'm not doing oh. anything I used to do. Yeah. I'm going to live this life to the fullest. And now, you know, you're, you're, you're speaking, you're, you're talking, you're, you're sharing your story, which for some people, man, they need to hear this yeah. regardless of how deep or dark their days may be. Yeah. It's a reminder to us all, man, like you're not missing any days now, right? right? You missed a year, year and a half, couple years. If, if you count the years, you know, you were hitting it hard and partying, yeah. Yeah. but now man, you're crystal clear. Your vision is strong. You, you've, you've given yourself power, Yeah. right? Like right. what keeps you in this life? What keeps you doing this work, yeah. knowing how easy it is, especially back here in Palm Springs, man. I mean, we're all right turn away from yeah. heading down that same path. Yeah. Is it your family? Is it your faith? Is it everything? Um, for me, it's my faith, really. I mean, it changed my life. I mean, I could, drugs are a mother, mother effort. They're evil, man. And so um, I know a lot of people are struggling with addiction. Like, I could just say, like, you got to commit to something. And for me, that was celebrate recovery. I'm not trying to, like talk about but that's really what changed my life was just going into recovery it's like an aa or na but it's more jesus it's more god faith you know what i mean and so i just went into that program and i just changed my life i and i worked through some issues because with addiction i did like i said i did a lot of bad things i had a little girl i had a wife that i i lied to and and evil things that i did so i had to work through that because even though i was clean uh, my mind would get could I couldn't sleep. So when I was able to work through that, work through that in my recovery, just work through all that and just know that God had forgiven me. I didn't have to like keep because it would, it kept me up at night, bro. Like the things that I would think, like oh, how could I do that? Oh my gosh, I wasted. It just kept me up. So when I was able to work through my recovery, like I'm never going back to that life. I mean, drugs are just evil. That's all. Because I mean, I know people that are just struggling, struggling. It's like I want to shake them. Like you got to commit to something. Like you got like for me to celebrate recovery, try it. You know. I mean, commit to whatever that looks like for you, whether it's just turning your life around the finishes, you got to change it. You just, that cycle is just, it just never ends, you know? So yeah. Shout out to the homie, Matt Helbig, man. Hopefully you can hear this message and, and hear, um, here are two brothers, two friends of yours that truly love you and care about you, man. Um, it's, it's a dark road. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're never cured. Right. Uh, my wife wanted me to cover up my Jägermeister tattoo a few <laughs> years back and I was like, I can't. Yeah. Like that's, that's a symbol of, of a time in my life that I don't want to forget. Yeah. I don't want to relive it, but I, I don't want to forget it because it keeps me humble and it keeps me, you know, waking up early and attacking the day and, and giving back. You're now giving back to your church. Church has changed. Right. Um, I saw you speaking um, on stage at your church uh, a couple months back. Now church is online. Yeah. Right. Talk to us about how you've transitioned because getting out of prison, I mean, we have a friend, mutual friend who was in a little bit longer than you, right? Three, right. four, five years. And, yeah. You know, one of the first things he said when we were at the gym working out was, man, I, I, I miss this whole social media, you know, digital game, man. Yeah. I feel like I, you know, yeah. like back to the future. Right, right. Right. D did adjusting, right? Not just staying sober, but adjusting back to like, you know real life yeah right? not the yeah. penitentiary life yeah were, were you you know watching over your shoulder watching your back were, were, or are you just like so damn happy to be free 
I think about American History X, right? Yeah, Although yeah, it's a yeah. movie, man, right. like there's some really heavy points in that yeah. where he gets out and he's he's changed and you know, he loses his girlfriend and he loses his friends and he loses people, but he's made a decision to never go back. Right. I think there uh for me it's like I wasn't arrested and taken away where I would come back and maybe be involved in that. For me, I was arrested and I spent that 18 months just bettering myself. So there are like rules to the game, I guess you can say, where if you're out, you're out. Like, let's say if I were to touch drugs again, it would come, I would be right back into that world, you know? But because I'm completely out, I'm not involved in that. There's just like, a, I'm out, you know what I mean? And that's why I really can't speak about like the pressures of looking over my shoulder because I didn't do that much time and respect the people that have done that much time. Like Woody, you know, he has a whole different story and I respect that. Do the thing that he been through, I can't speak on. Like that's, that's some hard stuff and um, you might hear it in another podcast, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't go, I didn't experience that. Yeah. Shout out to the homie, uh, yeah. Jeff Woody yeah. Woodfield, man. He is going to be on the podcast. Look, if you're listening to this and you've been a fan or a follower for a long time, we got nothing to fucking hide here. Yeah. Uh, we used to be some gangsters and we used to do some gangster shit. And now on the other side of it, we are here to give back, to empower people, to help them improve their life yeah. and to be an impact. Right. Um, you know, I mentioned it yesterday. You saw the video. I said, look, I'm gonna come back here and run for mayor in 16 yeah, years yeah, yeah. Palm Springs. Yeah. I'm not just saying that it's not hype. It's like community service has changed my life. Right. Right. Giving back. Yeah. You know, being available for for people. I was just mentioning a text message from a friend we went to high school with. I haven't talked to in 20 some years. Yeah. But He's seen some of the videos that I do and he lost his mom and he was like, hey man, I need some help. Right. Man, there's so much power in, in helping. Yeah. Um, yesterday I got a thumbs up from a police officer downtown Palm Springs. Yeah. I wow. started crying, bro. Yeah. I started crying wow. because I had been arrested in front yeah. of where he gave me the thumbs up yeah. 22 years ago. Yeah. We had gotten shot. Yeah. Across the street, 50 yeah. feet. Oh gosh, yeah. Tropicana, right? Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, yeah. A shot with a shotgun. Yeah. Right. And and if you're listening to this, you're like, holy shit, man, those yeah. are some thugged out kids. We were not. Right. We grew up in good families. The the the, the friends of ours who went to jail and who died, man, they, they grew up in good, you know, middle class families. Yeah. We made these choices. Right. And then some of the worst choices we made continued a downward spiral. To look at it from a different lens and a different scope, man, to see your daughter smiling and laughing and getting yeah. A's, man. That's that's what it's all about. Yeah. Where, where, what is next for you? And we'll talk about the business here in a minute, but yeah. what, what, what is next for you with how you're teaching and, you know, how you're, you're, you're speaking, um, God's language, man. Yeah. And, and you're giving back, yeah. right? What does that look like for you next? Could you see yourself in, in a ministry running a church? Like, yeah. talk to me about yeah. it. Talk to us about I mean, that. yeah, my, my, I mean, like my foundation is my faith. You know what I mean? That's, I can't go without it. So, um, I enjoy speaking. I enjoy, you know, uh, teaching and sometimes uh, I feel like I'm not uh, qualified you know I, I don't read the bible enough or anything but um like you like you, you said giving back that's the 12th step you know I I can't live my life without giving back you know sharing my experiences uh, you know they say your test is your testimony and then, and I'm here to share my testimony because I want to encourage someone that there is a better life you know uh, you can like you're doing your fitness and that it's all positive whatever you choose to do we gotta, you know, live positive, and it's all—it's about giving back, man. Yeah, they, that fuels you. That fuels me as well. That's why I, I still go to sub recovery. I've been I'm about seven years clean, right off drugs. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I I still continue to show up on a Monday night at my at my recovery ministry, giving back, leading leading the men's alcohol and chemical group, teaching a lesson, encouraging people. 
Mm-hmm. It's powerful, man. Yeah. It's real powerful. We ask a couple questions on this show regularly. Um, talk about positivity as I'm reading uh, the daily affirmation. Wednesday, May 6th, I focus on positive thoughts because the thoughts I think and the words I speak create my experiences. Uh, it's, it's, it's truly you know, inspiring to see how simple it is to live in good versus in, in evil and, and to think about the time we did waste and, you know, a lot yeah. of the energy, look, man, we're now here right. looking forward. And although we touch and joke and laugh about some of these stories, right? You know, my kids know a lot of the darkness, right? right. Uh, this is the place where I rolled my truck seven times talking to your mom on our goddaughter's, you know, one year right. birthday. This is like, they know those stories. Yeah. What is the story that you want to leave behind? And the question that we ask everybody on the show is if today was your last day on earth, what, what would you want your wife and your daughter, your people, your community, your family to, to know about you? How would you want to be remembered? Ah, uh, man, I just, that I tried my best, you know, that I, you know, that I had love, you know what I mean? I, I, wearing these masks and people not seeing my smile is hard for me, you know, cause I feel like that's part of me is my smile. You know, and my daughter would say, stop, why well, you just don't smile in prison, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, that's my smile. So just that I, that I had love, you know, that I love people that I, you know, that I, I cared about people. That's what I want to leave behind. Beautiful. Yeah. So how did you get into uh, the business? Tell us about it. We call this shameless self-promotion. Yeah. This is the time to plug your business. And, yeah. you know, you did get funded, which is great right. because that means that you, people are really getting checks. Yeah. But you also mentioned in, in some ways, you know, you got 90 days. Yeah. Right. So we want to be able to help um, people get back to work uh, as quickly as possible. We are in California. Yeah. Which unfortunately, man, uh, y'all are a few months behind. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's <laughs> even more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I made a conscious decision to not wear a mask. Mm-hmm. And um, what that means is I won't go into the grocery store. Uh, I won't go into the Shell station to get a bottle of water when I'm pumping for gas. I just won't go into some of these places. Right. California is... I don't want to say forcing, but mandating yeah. that you wear a mask in all public places and most private stores yeah. are forcing you to do it as well. Tell us about your business, yeah. some of the changes that you've made. Yeah. And if someone's listening, man, how, how can we help you and help your business moving forward? Yeah. So I own a lim- limousine business. It's called uh, Superior Ride. And uh, we're on the, the web, superiorridelimo.com. But um, so I mean, a little quick backstory. I worked for this business. You know, I was out and I was just working for my family. Like, I need an extra job. I need extra income. So the person that I met in church, he's like, "Hey, I got this limo company. I need drivers." I'm like, "Cool, give me a shot." You know, he gave me a shot. And I started driving, and I was knowing about your past. Knowing, knowing about, about my past, Aldi, right? Yeah. yeah, very nice, sweet family. I, I love them. And uh, and now, hold on, real quick, pa- yeah. p- parole, yeah. felony. Like, walk us through that. What did what did that? What did you come out with? I was on probation for three years. Three-year probation. So I was on probation. When no I felony this. count. Yeah, I still have a felony. Yeah, for life. A and that'll felony. stay up for, for life. Yeah, yeah. What does that enable you to not be able to do? Okay, yeah. So I can't vote. You cannot. I cannot vote, and I cannot own a gun. That's ever. it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I worked for this this business for about a year and a half, and uh, the gentleman got sick, and I could tell the wife was stressed out, and I was like, you know, I, you know, my my families are entrepreneurs. My mom and dad, they they they. They kind of embedded that in me. They've always owned their business, and so I feel like I have some ambition from my mom. My mom has ambition, so she she 
you know, that rubbed off on me. I was like, hey, I was telling him, I'm like, what if we what if we start our own limo company? You know, what if we just opened our own? And I was like, well, that, that that might be too hard. But the opportunity came up with, hey, like, I'd like to buy your company. I know you're sick. I know you're struggling. But with that, whatever that looks like, you know, I'd like to buy it. And and she's like, okay, uh, let me talk to Alan. And he was, he was sick at the time. And months went by. And, um, you know, one night at church, there was a worship night. And we prayed. And I was like, hey, pray for me to own a business. I don't know what that looks like. I just want to own some, you know, a business. And the next day, he calls me. And he, I thought he, honestly, I thought he had died because I hadn't heard from, you know, I hadn't heard from the wife and he's like, Hey, I heard you want to buy the business. <laughs> so I feel like it was God, you know, again, speaking to me and, and we just, we just negotiated for a few months and I bought it in October. So I've only owned it for gosh, less than six months, you know? So I'm, I'm a business owner for yeah. a new one. And, and this COVID-19 has greatly affected my business, but we've adjusted, you know, um, is that just based off of travel, people flying, tra people flying, I mean, the, you know, Palm Springs is a tourist destination. So people fly in and out, you know? And uh, so I was, I had a lot of rides for Coachella, the tennis tournament, uh, just it, it's season right Seasonal, now. It's right? season, you know, everyone's here. And uh, and after this hit, it was like, it was devastating. You know, I'm still trying to adjust and trying to maintain, but uh, we don't know what that holds. But the way I've adjusted to that is just, um, I was able to build a, a website, a new one. Um, shout out to Mark Bali. He helped me. He helped me build it. SuperiorRideLimo.com. SuperiorRideLimo.com. Yeah. yeah, and he helped build it. And uh, and uh, so I've we he sends out emails. We send out some marketing emails. I send uh, emails to my high end clients. And uh, you know our cars are disinfected. You know we wear masks to um, to make the make the the client feel safe. I don't. We don't. We don't make them wear a mask, but we just wear wear a mask to help them feel safe. And uh, cars are cleaned out after every ride is done. You know, with Lysol wipes, and if you're in Southern California, this you you can you'll hit pretty much just about anywhere. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'll go. I'll go anywhere. I'll go to Vegas and yeah. Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We so we do airport runs. I go to LAX, and we also you can book us for hourly rides like weddings because I have two brand new Suburbans. So we've done we've done weddings before, uh, quinceañeras, or if you want to go to a concert, you know. You know, you want to, you don't want to drive, and you can we take you to the concert. We wait for you curbside, and you just walk out and gone you know so we do all that yeah what is your greatest fear right now is it financial is it faith i know it's not physical because i saw you doing real pull-ups yesterday <laughs> yeah. uh, what what's your biggest fear you know what at first i was really not i wouldn't say depressed just real negative you know when all this hit i was like i would, I would have a conversation with my daughter i'm like you know what it's over it's done. I wasn't fearful. I just felt like the business was, there's no way I could survive this. And had I, had I done things wrong, was I, did I invest too much? Like, cause I went all in, you know, when you buy a business, you basically go all in, right? It's a risk. You take a risk, you go all in. And I had planned it nicely to, to buy in October to miss the summer and just have the season and uh, all this hit. But um, where am I going with this? Oh yeah. I would tell Cal, I'm like, this is not going to work. So the Do negative had, energy, yeah, negative infiltrated energy, but, you. Were you watching the news at the time? Uh, yeah, you know, the, the first two weeks were hardcore, right? Yeah. Everyone was yeah. like, we were glued, listening to what Trump said and all that, and and uh, but you know, there there has been hope because the funding that I received, the the payment protection loan, the relief. You know, I wouldn't have made it without that. You know, that's but, beautiful. That's yeah. good to hear, man. Yeah. Now you look at the American dream. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And 
the American dream is not perfection. Right. It's not you grow up as a white American in suburbia and you know you grow up to own your own business. To hear the challenges that you faced uh, personally, yeah. now they're professional, right? right. And to think, you know, you're going to overcome this, obviously right. you're going to yeah. adapt and overcome, you know, this ain't nothing, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm really glad to hear that the, the positive energy has come back and, and your smile is there. How can you begin to adapt, right? Let, let's imagine that tourism does take months and you're going into the summer here in Palm Springs where yeah. it's a, it was 187 degrees today. Like people aren't traveling as much. What other ways have you begun to think about how your business could possibly evolve? Because people still need transportation, right? Right. Um, ha have you thought about doing anything with grocery stores or delivery like Uber Eats? Like that was a pivot from cars, right? Right. Anything that's starting to come about or creatively you're starting to think about ahead of this curve or, or instead of having to wait yeah. for the white flag? Yeah. You know, I think uh, the first two weeks that I did reach out to my clients, hey, I can I can shop for you, you know. Um, but I think now at this point, people are have gained a little more confidence to go to the stores themselves. So that's really not an option for me. Um, to evolve is just staying connected with my clients sending them emails, the, the ones that I have a personal relationship with, uh, sending them a personal email, you know, how you doing? We're still here for you. And I got some great responses. I sent some out last week and hey, yeah, we're ready. To, we want to book in a couple of weeks and we're going on a trip. I was like, all right, cool. So that's a Beautiful. good sign. Yeah. It's a good sign. Yeah. And being super authentic uh, in, in, you know, you talk, I've heard you on the phone earlier today, you booked a deal. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, letting them know your family owned business. Right. That's really important right now. Yeah. Right. Um, to not be so corporately involved in, in big business. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of businesses are closing. Right. Right. So for you to get out there, give your message. Um, I got one for you, man. Order uh, about a hundred mini flags and every person that comes in your car gets a, a mini American flag, right? Just yeah. these little things that make you stand out. It's a good idea. It's, it's such a, an important thing. Um, I was on a call earlier today with a guy and he was like, Luke, I did what you said to do. It really worked. Um, I'm doing a lot of Zoom videos and most of the people in my company are not showing their face. And I am legitimately putting on a collared shirt with wow. a light and I'm yeah. showing my face and I'm standing out Yeah, because the other 87 commercial real estate brokers are not. Yeah, That's what we got to do, man. Yeah, We got to find ways to stand out, to, to not hide, yeah. right? To not sit and wait for something to happen, but to fucking take action and right. make it happen. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that, you know, you own your own company, Yeah, right? And you think about the day you got out, you think about this progression of life and right. the different phases you've gone through. Well, look, is this going to be your last company? No, not at all. But at 40 years old, man, you have a successful company that you own uh, and, and you're, you're running and operating it. You can't control what happens, right? You can't control the pandemic and the state running down. But what you can control is the way you think and you feel and you act. Right. Foundation is your faith. Yeah. Talk to us a minute here about your fitness, man. A fitness. What was yeah. the most burpees you ever did when you were when you were in? You got it, 113. 113, <laughs> man. Woo. Yeah, I, I do believe that the burpee was created in prison. It wasn't created in the military or uh, yeah, or, or in so. CrossFit, man. It, it yeah. was in the prison. Uh, thousand burpees. Yeah. Uh, hour and fifty six minutes. Wow. Yeah, that's that's right up there. What's the hardest workout you ever did when you were in? Just those burpees, that was a struggle for me. Yeah. Gosh, I was sweating and dying. Cause you know, I went in there, I was still about, uh, two, I went in there about 290. You know, I got out about 260. What and are you I, right now? 
I'm about right now about 235, put on about 10 pounds of muscle. Yeah. I was about 220, um, my lowest. Yeah, you can feel but, that muscle, bro. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can feel it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give it a couple months and then get on, the, get trimmed down a little bit. But um, yeah, so it was just working out in there was, you know, but I, I wasn't like I said, I wasn't feeling that whole vibe, so I didn't really work out. I just, it just, I did did my time as relaxed as I could. You know what I mean? But I always said, hey, when I when I get out, I'm gonna hit it. And they're like, yeah, right. You're not gonna do nothing. You're gonna be lazy. You're gonna get fatter. I'm like, okay, watch. You know, because I had just got in, so I knew there was a gym out there. There was a, you know what I mean? It's a real fitness out there, like you and and stuff like that. So I'm like, watch. When I get out, I'm gonna get fit. Did did prison give you the discipline that you didn't have in your life? Uh, yeah, yeah. Or did the process give you the discipline? I mean, the process did. You know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. The discipline is like, you just, you just have to follow what, whatever they're telling you to do. You know what I mean? All right. Yeah. Last question. Yes. Man. What is the craziest moment that you have had as a father? You have a 14 year old now who's, yes. who's a beautiful young lady. Yeah. Uh, you're dealing <laughs> with beautiful. boys. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, 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 what, what's, what's the craziest story right now as a dad that you've had to, to deal with with a 14 year old girl? Well, you know, she, um, she's beautiful, you know, and she, um, looks a little more developed, a little older than she should, you know, should, should be. So taking her to public school at Raymond Cree, right down the street and, and all these eighth grade boys just hitting on her. And I, I didn't know how to handle it. I was just like, Kelly, what are you doing? So making that move to, to put her in a private school has been a, a, a huge blessing for us. You know, that those three years that she was in the private school, really, you know, she, she knows what she, she wants and she's getting straight A's now. Like, you know, when she got out of Raymond Cree, she was D's and F's. Now she's straight A's and she's doing like pre-algebra. Like she's in biology. Like I, when I did biology in, in in high school, you know the classes that she's taken. Shout out to Raymond Cree, but that school <laughs> made me a thug. That, that taught me right? everything I needed yeah. to fucking learn. Yeah. Oh man. My brother, Raph, I got to tell you, man, it was an absolute pleasure uh, having you on here and, yeah. and going deep down the rabbit hole. It's the first time we've been able to talk about, you know, what the last 10 years of your life have looked like. And yeah. um, lifelong brothers, man, uh, out of control yeah, uh, for on. life, in control of our lives. Yeah. Man. It's it's a much better place on this side. And shout out to your family. Um your wife, your yeah, daughter. Shout out to my wife, Angela. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we got to yeah. do a round two and talk about that, right? Yeah. <laughs> we definitely got to do a round two talk about that. Our own struggles. You know what man. we could do is like uh, you, Naj, and me, and Angela. Yeah. You know? oh, but I we don't go, know, we man. go back. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> Break the internet. <laughs> <laughs> my friends, yes. I appreciate you for being here today. Thank you for listening to the Fathers of the Future podcast. You could be anywhere for any reason, and you chose to be here with us. If you got some value out of this message, if, if you loved what you heard, all we ask for in return is that you simply share it on your social media or you send it to a friend and possibly even give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. Rafael Cervantes. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Yeah, follow you. us on uh, Instagram as Superior Ride Transportation and on Facebook as Superior Ride. You got it, brother. Yeah. Stay strong. Thank you, guys. Stay Pleasure. hard. One love, brother. Awesome. Come on. <laughs>